Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. I don't know about you, sometimes Melissa and I do home improvement projects. Some of them are scheduled and some of them just happen. Sometimes, hypothetically, you might be working out you know, on your greenhouse or in your garden and um, your wife might say, this panel, this paneling needs to come down. And so you rush into the house and you agree, yes, the paneling needs to come down. The paneling needs to come down soon. Okay. So you get the paneling down and you renovate the dining room and you forget about your other projects. Because you all know this is Father's Day, right? Which involves being married, usually. Uh, happy wife, happy life, right? Uh, any of you like to do home improvement projects? Anybody? <laughs> Anyone not like to do home improvement projects? All right, well, I'm talking to a minority of you. I, I actually like it, especially the part when whew, it's all done and, um, and you, you, you come up to it and you take a look at it and everything is exactly the way your wife wanted it. <laughs> and it's perfect. And you take a picture and you love it. And then your wife, whom you love dearly, says, it's exactly what I wanted, but I don't know if I like it. But, you know, she likes it three days later and then she loves it. Anyway, so there's a little uh, insight into my wife, how we like to do projects, how I always think it's done perfectly, and she takes a little bit of time to adapt to it uh, until she really likes it, even though it's all her idea. All right, so nor we, when we're done, we take a picture of it, right? If you ever do any kind of project, when you're done, you take a picture. Melissa and I just jump into projects, and we forget to do a before picture, right? Uh, right? Almost every single time. I think we've done 100 projects, you know, that I could think of. And we have all these after pictures and, and not one before picture. I don't know why. Uh, even when it's well planned and we're thinking about it, we're going to do it starting next Tuesday or whatever. Uh, we never take that before picture. Is anyone else like that? Okay. All right. So some of you are like that. Well, sometimes we can concentrate on making the after so perfect and, and making it better and better that we forget the before, how much improvement it needed, right? Um, well, today we're going to look at a before and after picture, which I think is the most drastic renovation project in the Bible, uh, at least one of them. It's the, the story we just read uh, from the Gospel reading. This man whose before life was so horrible and whose afterlife was so good. Uh, so if you have a, a Bible in your pew or your own Bible, turn to Luke chapter 8. It's page 813, I believe, in your pew Bible, 813. And I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. We're going to paint the picture. What was this guy's before picture and what is his after picture? So let's start. Um, take a look there between, we'll be, I'll set the stage real quick. I didn't read this, but if you look a couple of verses ahead at, at Luke 8, verse 22, we see this. It says that one day Jesus and the disciples got into a boat and he said to them, let's go across to the other side of the lake. And you've heard that story. Like Jesus is exhausted. He falls asleep in the boat with a bunch of fishermen. A bad storm comes up. They all think they're going to die. And they wake up Jesus, and he's like, be quiet. He says that not to them, uh, but to this, the wind and the waves. And it's as still as can be. And he says to these guys, well, where was your faith? And then they are, they're all freaking out and saying, well, who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? So Jesus has taken his disciples on a journey to learn some things. Number one, he has power over all the natural world. With a word, he can make it calm and still. 
right? And then he comes across the lake. He's going there on purpose. It's not random. Where is he going? That's where we pick up with our reading today. And he's going to show them that he has power over the supernatural world as well as the natural world. So in verse 26, we get to our story. He sailed to the country of the Garrison, Galilee. And then he stepped on land and met a man. All right, help us out. What was his before picture like? The before picture of this man. He's insane. What's that, what we'd call it? it doesn't say that in the text, but the description is he's insane, unfortunately. What else? No clothes. No clothes. What? He's, he's probably dirty, right? He's living out in the desert or in the tombs. What else? He's probably hot, right? Yep. Mark tells us that he cuts himself. Luke doesn't tell us. That's okay. Uh, you know this story, right? Take a look at the verse 27. We got some of these. The very first one we didn't get. When Jesus had stepped out on land, there met him a man from the city who had demons. Right? We can't see demons. The apostles tell us this, that he had demons. For a long time, he, and we got this one, he wore no clothes. How about this one? He had not lived in a house. He's homeless, right? by his own choice, because, as Ken said, he is suffering from insanity. He lives among the tombs. Um, and then jump down to verse 29. Luke adds some more details, and we'll go back. Verse 29, what is this guy's life like? It says, he had commanded the unclean spirit to come out of the man, and then in parentheses, for many a time it had seized him. So this man is seized by demons. Can you imagine that? Seized by demons? The opposite of a hug, I guess. He was kept, and then, then it talks about how the people there were trying to help him. You know, if it, maybe an old-fashioned uh, insane asylum. It says that he was kept under guard and bound with chains and shackles. They're trying to keep him from other people. But sort of like Samson, who has this supernatural power, he has it too, but it's not for good. He would break the bonds and be driven by the demon. All right, he's in a bad spot, right? We'd all agree with that. We can look at this man and say his before picture is absolutely horrible. And maybe some of us know people like that or, or some symptoms like that. Maybe not that severe, but being driven by the supernatural realm. All right, and then Jesus shows up, right? Jesus goes there on purpose, and Jesus goes there to cast out the demons. And, and we won't go into all the details of the story, but he knows who Jesus is. This set of demons knows, if you look at verse uh, 28, this demon says with a loud voice, what have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, do not torment me. And then Jesus is going to cast him out, but they're begging him to not send him into the abyss. Uh, the abyss is, other places called, the bottomless pit, um, the hell that is reserved for the devil and his angels. You all know this. Hell is not invented for people. It's for the enemies of the human race. So they beg him, don't let us go right there now. We know you're, you have power and could send us there like that. Don't send us there now. They say, hey, let us go to those pigs. And Jesus gives permission. This is a weird story, isn't it? And then they do to the pigs what they wanted all along to do to this man, which was what? Drive him to his death. The devil comes to kill and to steal and to destroy. And that's what they want to do to this man. Amazing he is, he's still alive after all this, right? 
It is amazing. By God's grace, he is still alive. And now, by Jesus' deliverance, he's going to be more than alive. I I could talk to you separately about why uh, I think the pigs are owned by Jewish farmers and not Gentile farmers, but that's another sermon. Uh, Okay, so you can ask me about that later, which I think is an interesting thing. All right, so that's the before picture. The after picture. What's, what happened to this man after Jesus cast out the demons? Let's describe him. He's not tormented, right? He, yeah, he put some clothes on. Someone gave him some clothes, right? What else? I know this is hard work, isn't it? It's like, well, you came to just hang out and listen, but now I'm making you work. He has a home, exactly. Emma says he got a home. And Jesus is going to send him back to his home. Anything else? He's in his right mind. Right? And he can even go tell people what God has done for him. That word right mind, it's literally, he's now self-controlled instead of demon-controlled. He's in such a better place, isn't he? He's right there with Jesus. And I don't know if anyone said this, but he's sitting at the feet of Jesus. He's been healed by Jesus, and he knows that. And so he wants to be with Jesus, just like all of you. You have come here today. You could have stayed home. Jesus would be with you at home. But you want to come and listen to Jesus' words and receive from Jesus directly. That's what this man wants. Uh, It says that he's been healed. Good stuff, isn't it? We should, like, uh, this is weird, but let's just clap and give thanks to God for this. Thank you, God. All right. Like, if we saw this, we would be, like, cheering this on. If we saw this guy completely changed, it would, be, it would be awesome. It'd be better than any movie that we could see, right? So Jesus does this kind of thing. All right. And then, I love, someone said that he is now clothed. So let's just, for a moment, um, think about us. You know, this man before and after, we are sort of like this. We, as Christians, have been these things, given our right minds back, able to sit at the feet of Jesus, Healed, forgiven, renovated, restored. And I love the whole clothed thing. Um, Kurt read it from Galatians, uh, what it means to be clothed. Obviously, you know, not talking just about wearing whatever your Sunday best, but to to be clothed with Jesus. Uh, He read this. He says that, um, for in Christ you are all sons, daughters of God through faith. Right? That's Galatians 3.25. And then how do we get this? He goes on and says, For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. By faith and through our baptism, Jesus clothes us with himself, his own righteousness. That's a good thing, isn't it? All right. Now, I'm going to transition a little bit. Go back. uh, Look at the bottom of the text here. Uh, Peter alluded to this. He he wants to stay with Jesus, but Jesus isn't going to let him yet. So he says to him in verse 39. Let's read verse 39 together because I think it's a really important verse. And it's the verse for all of us today. If you can find it. Are you ready? Here we go. He says this. Return to your home and declare how much God has done for you. And he went away proclaiming throughout the whole city how much Jesus had done for him. That's great stuff. We could end right there. But I just want to just pause and say Jesus gave this man a new life. He could have gone with Jesus, healed, restored, forgiven, and teaching him to be the next apostle, disciple, whatever. But he said, no, I'm going to give you back to the vocation that you came from. 
So we think of our vocations, like vocation is a great word, and that doesn't just mean like you go to Votech, you go to BOCES, you go to uh, UB and get your job. It's not just job. Vocation is all the places that God has put us. And our number one vocation is, as this man, a child of God, clothed with Christ. Right? That's your number one vocation to live out. And then you have other vocations. One we celebrate today is Father's, Father's Day. Or some of you are mothers, grandmothers, cousins, whatever. Those family relations. Other things are uh, vocation as a neighbor or a student or uh, a citizen of America. Those are all our vocations where we get to live out what God has done for us. As it says here, go tell all the things that God has done for us. So fathers, let me just pause and, and encourage you on this one. Um, it's Father's Day, and just like this man, we have a before picture and an after picture, and sometimes these get jumbled and they go back and forth, right? We don't always live out the after that we're supposed to. Sometimes we go back to our before. And all of you know that. If you've been captured by Christ, you know that sometimes you get ridden by the devil, right? You suffer attacks. As Jesus said, you know, whoever um, looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery. Whoever hates his brother is guilty of murder. Uh, whoever covets is guilty of adult, uh, idolatry. We know that we don't always live out the after picture the way we should. Um, as Lutherans, we say it's, we're once we're in Christ, we're simultaneously saints and sinners. And so, fathers, you know that, right? I don't have to tell you that. God has done things in your life, but you're not there yet, right? So let me just encourage you. You have an, a hugely important role. A hugely important role. As the dads go, so goes the church. So goes the world. So do the job that God has called you to. So what is that job? Uh, Joshua said, as God gave him this big role, Joshua 1, he says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. That's the role God has given you. Serve the Lord. Lead your family. Um, and the best way to do that is, number, you might find this surprising, the best way to do that is to love your spouse. Love your wife. Ephesians 5 comes before Ephesians 6. And I'm going to wrap this up soon, but I just wanted, to, you can look back at this. Ephesians 5 says this to husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Did you hear that? As Christ loved the church? You're giving up your own agenda, your own time, your own priorities. Okay, I'm looking at these wives. Some of them are looking at their husbands like, did you hear that? It goes both ways. Your wives, submit to trust, entrust your life to your husband as Kurt likes to say, provide, protect, and procreate along with you, right? Um, those are the vocations of a husband, right? Um, so anyway, uh, Ephesians 5 comes before Ephesians 6. Ephesians 5, love your wives. Just as, as we think of the Holy Family, right? Jesus, uh, Mary, and Joseph. Joseph's vocation was to take care of Mary. That was his primary job to protect her. Mary's primary vocation, of course, love her, her, her wife, her husband, sorry, I'm getting muddled here, um, but also to take care of Jesus. So uh, the most important thing you can do, Dad, is to love your wife. Right? Then that comes to Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6, it says this, Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger, or another way to say it, don't exasperate your children. I think we're all guilty of that. Now all these kids are looking at their dad like, yeah, right? Dads, don't exasperate your children. I know you want me to take out the garbage. Right? I'm going to do it eventually, right? Don't exasperate your children, but bring them up 
in the discipline and instruction of the Lord, right? As disciples of Jesus. That's your job, dads. Bring these kids up as disciples of Jesus. Now, you might be saying, my kids are like 55. That's okay. You're still their dad. They've left you. They cleave to their wife, but you're still their dad. So be the dad even if your kids are, are um, grown up, right? Well, uh, so we could keep on going with all the different vocations we have, but you've heard enough. Uh, all of us in our vi- different vocations get to do like this man. We're healed, we're clothed with Christ, and now we get to return to our homes briefly and declare all the things that God has done for us. So in that, walk with Jesus. Um, and in, in his name, amen. Um, if you would, we're going to confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, and it's printed on the back, inside cover of your Lutheran service book, the Maroon Hymnal. If you would stand as we confess our faith.